This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Thanks, Martine. I'm Jan, and I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking, there are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places – prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. 
So let's meet our guest. I wonder if you could just introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are, maybe starting with your age and how long you've been sober for. Thanks, Martine. Um, I'm Jan, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I've been, um, I'm I'm 69, soon to be 70. Um, I've been recovering, I've, my last drink was November the 20th, 1991. Um, so how, how long have you been sober for? For, for 31 years. Right. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And, mm. and I wonder if you could tell us about what you do and if you're married, if you've got children. Uh, I have a child. I'm, I'm divorced. Uh, my husband's deceased now. Um, I um, have one child. She's grown up. She's 45, and um, I have one grandchild, and she's nearly 16. Lovely. Yeah. And I wonder if you could tell us about your childhood, where you grew up, and what it was like. <clears throat> my childhood was dysfunctional because my mother was an alcoholic. Um, I grew up in Christchurch. I was born and we lived in Hewood Road. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was um, pretty dysfunctional, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, my mother being an alcoholic, so um, you know all the attention was on my mother, uh, and probably there was a lot of neglect and um, yeah, just just neglect, and I had a very low self esteem as a result. Right. Can you tell us when you started drinking and how it progressed? Yes, I started, um, well, just probably a teenager. Um, <clears throat> uh, just remembered when I went flatting, I was about 17. I went flatting, uh, and I, I do remember this part very um, vividly, that I had a bottle of um, wine, a red wine, red sparkling wine it was, cold duck it was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Um, I just wanted to, to, I was very, you know, I wanted to drink that whole bottle. I didn't want to share it with anyone. We're at a party, but, um, and I noticed from that point that that was a bit odd. Right. You know, um, I just wanted, felt like I needed that whole bottle. I don't think it actually progressed very quickly from there, but, um, perhaps a few years later it. Yeah, it kicked in when I actually got married, when I met my husband. Right. Husband. And can you tell us about that, the progression of it? Yes. Uh, I, when I met him, um, I guess, you know, the stress, or there was a lot of stress around meeting him, and, and um, he he liked his alcohol. He, he loved his alcohol, and that just, you know, suited me. Um mm-hmm. So we were a bit like a team, you know, we'd always end up at the pub. Um, I think at the beginning we'd just go to the pub, have a game of pool. That's how it started. I noticed um, when we actually got married and then moved to Australia that it kicked in more, the progression kicked in more. They had casks of wine over there. Right. And that made it easy. Uh, you know, that was just on tap. Yeah. And I, I do remember, um, I drank other, you know, bourbon and coke was another drink, but I ended up with these casks um, and I just noticed things got a bit messy. Um, the marriage became violent and, um, yeah, I blamed myself. I blamed myself because he, he was violent. Um, 
because I was usually not, you know, I wasn't sober. And, um, yeah, things got quite messy at that point. Do you, do you think living in Australia added to it? If there Because, I mean, it must have been quite full on going over there if you didn't know people. Do you think that added to the pressure it, it and the did, drinking? It and did add to it. I, I had a very low self-esteem from the beginning, I think, and an anxiety, some sort of anxiety disorder, which, which I believe now, looking back, that it, that's why I started drinking, because it just made me, you know, have a voice and... and um, I was fluent, you know, when I was drinking. And then the pressure came on um, with my marriage. I I was very dependent on my husband. And, right. um, you know, I just looked to him for everything. I had no, you know, self-respect, self-esteem, self-anything really. And that caused a lot of anxiety too. And, um, yeah, my, my drinking, it was all at... at um, you know, it was all kind of made easy. I'm not blaming the situation. It's my fault. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, um, you know, we had the workers' club where we would go um, regularly. Um, and, yeah, it was all just, um, a, you know, a, a one big party, to be right. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so when things got bad for you, um, I wonder if you could describe your ro- ro- the rock bottom, the the turning point for you. The turning point that was quite a bit, um, quite after quite a few years. Um, my rock bottom, I believe, was um, I actually I had a child by then. I um, she was nine when I decided to leave the marriage. It was it was just too um, violent. And I think I must have had a little bit of respect for myself, a teensy bit, enough to leave and enough to take my daughter and and come back to New Zealand. Um, I thought things would be better when I came back. I thought um, I would, um, funnily enough, stop drinking, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's progressive. (laughs) And um, I, if anything, got worse because of the, um, you know, the, the going from Australia back to home to where I, you know, back to Christchurch. Yeah. So it got worse. I got, I developed diabetes and um, I'm wondering whether this saved my life when I reflect because I couldn't drink the way I drank before. I still wanted to drink. I wouldn't give up, but I couldn't drink um, like I did previously. It um, it wrecked me, you know, it... um, I could, yes, I couldn't. I had to weigh up um, the food and the insulin and the drink. Right. But I wouldn't exclude the drink at this stage. But I probably didn't have. I did, couldn't get that effect anymore because of the because I was eating. Because right. I had to eat. And how are you feeling emotionally at this stage? Um, really, really depressed. Really yeah. down. Really, I think I was always depressed, but. At that time, it just it just got too hard. Uh, I was covering it up well. I thought I thought I was because I was actually training to be a nurse at, this, at that time. Um, so I believe I co- I covered it up well. Um, but I think it was actually the diabetes that helped me to make a decision because it was just. Um, 
Yeah, I came to that point. I was just sick of it. I um, became sick of um, the pattern of my life. And, um, yeah, I'd had enough, really. I knew I was at the end of it somehow. I sensed. Um, Sorry. So... um, so when we were talking just before the interview, you said you you had two, you stopped, and then there was a, a gap before you went to um, to an AA meeting. Is that have I understood that correctly? Yes, that's um that's exactly right. What happened was I went to um, Hamner, but this was as a nursing student because I'd I I went back to my nursing. I'd I'd um, left when I did my hospital training, but I would decided to come back to it. And picked it up again. And um, one of the um, units I did was mental alcohol and drug unit. And I decided to go to um, Hamna, and they organised for me to go to Hamna. So I was sitting with alcoholics and um, just witnessing right. and knowing yeah. <laughs> in the background what I was. <laughs> and I talked to a chaplain afterwards and and confessed, you know, just confessed that I was asking him whether he thought I was an alcoholic because I I still didn't really, I think I just wanted someone to tell me I was an alcoholic. I think I knew deep down, but but he said, yes, (laughs) you are, or yes, I think you are. And I told him my whole story and, um, that was actually the beginning of that's that is the date when I stopped drinking was in Hamna, um, and then I just um, thought that that's perhaps all I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd heard a couple of wee negatives, and I was always driven by what people said uh, about AA, and I thought, oh yeah, I might just leave that for the time being, mm-hmm. and I'll be all right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sober. What else, you know, what else do I need to be? That didn't work, of course, because I had, um, you know, I didn't have that mask. It was worse. I didn't have that alcohol to hide behind that mask. So, but I did that, believe it or not. I can't believe how I did it, but I did it for five years. Wow. Um, Just didn't want to go back. It was a spiritual, um, I know AA is a spiritual very much a spiritual program um, for me. It, it, it well, it is, but for me, I when I um, decided to give up, I'm just backtracking a little. Um, mm-hmm. When I no, I'm not backtracking because when I after I talked to the chaplain, I went up on Conical Hill and I just um, I just talked to my higher power. Um, didn't call him a higher power. That's what we call, I call him an AA, but. Um, some sort of power greater than me, and it was just felt right, and um, and I just said, "Yeah, I've had enough. Just help me with this." And um, it all happened. I'd stopped drinking from that point, and um, that was a real miracle. And you know, when I came into AA, I realised all these miracles. I didn't at the time. Mm. I just took it for granted, but I discovered when I was in AA. So so can you tell us about the first meeting when you did find your way to AA? How was that? Yes, that was, well, that was con- that was another miracle because one of the nurses I was working with was in AA and she brought me into AA. Uh, I think it, I'd attempted it a couple of times before, but it didn't, yeah, just 
didn't work. Um, but this time um, I stayed. She brought me in and I stayed and um, I didn't particularly like being there because of all the fear I was, you know, had. And um, But something told me, um, I think it was a serenity prayer, you know, that, that I used to see on the wall, reminded me that I needed to be here and keep coming, even though I was, hard, you know, it was hard to share. I found it really hard to share, but I kept coming. I kept coming back. And how um, do you think you've managed to stay sober this whole time? What are some of the the tools that you've used? Just, um, just the um, well, my spiritual, my higher power, uh, the the fellowship itself, um, the the people, um, you know, the similarities um, with other people's stories. At first, I listened to the differences instead of the similarities, and that didn't do me any good because it just. Um, increase my denial, thinking maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Um, but yeah, I knew I was, and I just kept coming and listening to these stories and feeling, um, nodding my head continuously. And um, these, um, these, you know, friends in the fellowship have become real friends, unconditional unconditional friends um, that I've made in this fellowship and they don't ask for anything like previous friends and uh, yeah it's it's lovely. It's and what about the Jan today compared to the Jan back then? Who are you? Oh. What, how, how do you feel? What's what's changed for you? Oh so much has changed, so much has changed. Um, I, I, I just uh, you know going through the steps uh, I got a sponsor a really good good sponsor. I was very fortunate. Um, got me into service, um, so started helping others instead of just concentrating on me, me, me. Mm-hmm. I got into helping others, and um, it all happened very gradually. It's still happening. Um, I haven't. It's not over yet, but I just feel much more me. Um, you know, um, much more. I, I actually could say that I actually love myself today. I've just learned through these steps to love myself. Um, I know there's there's always learning, you know, and that's how that's how life is. You know, you have your ups. I've noticed a few ups and downs. I can get through those downs easier than I used to. They just, you know, self talk. Mm-hmm. It's just a marvelous. Program, I recommend it to anyone who's suffering out there. And what mm. would your advice be if somebody came to you and said, Jan, I think I've got a problem? What would your advice to them be? Yeah, just um, I would just tell my story, really. Um, that's, you know, one alcoholic talking to another and um, offer to take them to a meeting if they didn't have transport or meet them there and um, just say how the um, you know that the how it has helped me. That's that's all I can do. Give my story and and you know suggest that they get to meetings and keep keep going until the miracle happens, as we say. That's lovely, Jan. Thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to our podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.